You know what I've missed most about sports since we've been sheltering in place? Just going to a spot and watching a game with friends. It's just not the same watching it at home. Even when the Warriors are winning, I just, it's just not the same. But luckily, the Athletic Club Oakland, they've got our back. Did you know they shut down the entire side street next to them just to create the town gardens? The spot is amazing. It's got TVs everywhere, comfortable seating. It's got their full food and bar service. I mean, this place is dope. I went the other day with Bram, and officially, it's our go-to spot for all sports, especially the dubs. So hopefully we'll see you there. And as a special thank you, if I see you wearing a Warriors Huddle shirt, next beer is on me. The Athletic Club Oakland, that's where sports fans can finally be sports fans again. We're going to bring y'all into our huddle. You are in. Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dab Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Gentlemen, I am excited to announce that rejoining us after no hiatus, the Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who will be attending every single Warriors press conference, practice, shoot around a game, and the guy you want to talk to if you need to know anything about the waterfowl habits on the Jack London waterfront, Mr. Rusty Simmons. What's going on, Rusty? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're all right. We're all right. I'll I'll tell you... I'll be more transparent than I need to be. I'm a little worried, man. So I just mentioned the whole Jack London thing, and we joked about that last week. But I haven't revealed to you that Marcus also lives over in Jack London. And I don't like when, like, friends of mine who met because of me develop their own relationship. I get, like, strangely bitter and and kind of fucked up about it. So if you two, like, develop a bird-watching crew over there or something like that, I'm not going to like it. And I'm a little concerned about it. So I'll just throw that into the mic right now. I'm at Rusty's house right now. I knew yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a 100% <laughs> chance that we've already developed that relationship. It doesn't have anything to do with you, Graham. I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, you guys are both off the show. Maxime, you and I, buddy, best friends. I don't know if you like waterfowl, but you and I are going to go check them out. Gentlemen, we've got a prediction show today. It turns out one of my predictions is already proven true to my giant nightmare. But before we even turn to those predictions, and I'm fired up to see where they go, I'm even more excited to announce the return of a segment that's been gone for way too long and I think might be my favorite. It's the Off the Court Report. So the idea behind this is pretty easy. If you listen to this show, you're probably like Marcus, Maxime, and I. You know what the hell happens on the court with the, uh, the Warriors? We watch every moment of it. Well, Mr. Simmons has an advantage that we don't, and it's not just his growing relationship with Marcus. He actually sees these guys off the court. So for this segment, I shut up and we try to get anything that's recently happened in Rusty's life with these players, some observations he's had. Rusty, what do you got? I'll give you two. As you were introducing that, I was kind of debating which one to do. So I'll give you two and you can cut the one you hate. Um, <laughs> Michael Buble was uh, at Chase Center here recently. And so uh, media, players, basketball operations, nobody was allowed to go on the event level. Everybody had to go certain ways throughout the Chase Center. And they ended up sending us through this back elevator up to the ninth floor. And, you know, we're all kind of complaining like, oh, can't we just do things the way we normally do it? And we end up going through this elevator to the ninth floor and it's a perfect day in San Francisco. Um, There's floor to ceiling windows. We're looking out over this amazing view of the Bay and 
all the media is taken by it. We're like, man, this is fantastic. All this, all of a sudden, the, the complaining stops. And then we see player after player come through here, and they all stop. And Michael Mulder, after his interview, just went over and stood and stared. And, and that's how breathtaking it is. And for an NBA player to just stop for a moment and and take in something like that, you know, they live a different life than the rest of us. So for them to to w- sit there and look at it um, tells you how breathtaking it was. Um, and I'll give you another one. The other Bef- one I was debating on. Before was, you was do, Ford- b- before you do, yeah. follow up question, and then we got to take a quick commercial break. Follow up question: Was Marcus with you at that time? Did you bring him with the whole Mulder thing? He was. He yeah, was there. It. He was damn there, it. and there were water fountain balls. Ah, damn it! Quick word from our sponsors, and then let's hear the, uh, the second story. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. So don't forget, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. All right, we are back. Rusty, hit us with the second story. The second one uh, is is more recent of Jordan Poole, who has gotten now uh, basically the reputation of being the hardest worker on the team. Um, after the pandemic, after a really rough rookie season, the moment Chase Center opened again, where the Warriors practice facility also is, um, as soon as it opened, he was back in there and, and basically never leaves. I mean, he is always calling some coach, some developmental guy to get him into the gym and work with him. Um, and they, the Warriors said on Friday that they weren't going to practice. And I asked Jordan Poole, what does that mean to you? And he winked and said, I'm developing uh, a, a balance between, between life and basketball. Winked again and immediately went to the, went on the elevator back to the gym. And, and that told me everything about him. He, he's working every day. I don't know what portion of that story catches my eye the most. So I love the idea of JP being out there improving. He's one of the reasons I'm all fired up for this year. I love that you're getting to know him because I want to know this guy's personality. But I also love that he's a winker. And the idea that he winked twice in the space of what sounds like 30 seconds is bananas to me. So I'm going to start there. Rushy, have you ever successfully deployed a wink? Like, have you ever actually just used it randomly in a conversation? I'm the worst winker ever. My, both of my eyes blink. I mean, I don't think you can ever say what I do is winking. I, both <laughs> eyes blink. The only times I've ever tried to do it, I, I, I've unsuccessfully randomly done it. I think when you're supposed to and, and still just a complete failure. What do you have like eye problems? What are you talking about? So one, a hundred percent. If you're using both eyes closing, no, you're right, dude. That's called a blink, not yeah. a wink. I mean, no, the wink refers to something specific. Two, you and I have met. Like you are, you know, if you have hand-eye coordination. I've seen you like successfully do easy hand-eye moves. What are you talking about? You can't wink. Like I don't, I don't understand that at all. I don't, I don't think I have the capability. You know how like some people can make like one eyebrow raise and do. I, I can't. 
I can't do any of that stuff. Like I don't I don't know how to do that. I don't think so, I have the balls to pull off a wink. Like I, I can physically wink, you know, like that's never been my problem. I'm winking right now, but I don't know if I would ever, like, I think I would do it at the wrong time. It'd come off like hell of cheesy or make somebody feel awkward. You know, I can see Marcus being a winker. I don't know why. And I don't think he's done it probably in the last like five or six years, but I can see this fool occasionally pulling off a wink that didn't leave everybody feeling like sweaty and awkward. Actually true. I haven't done it in many years, maybe even a decade, but there's, there's nothing a good wink couldn't do when you were applying for the attention of an attractive young woman back in the day. So um, when properly deployed, you can definitely use a wink to your advantage. The but. camera flips over to Rusty and he's just firing off a bunch of blinks at women. <laughs> yeah, and, they, and they have no idea what's happening. Uh, no wonder I do so much better with the waterfowl. Yeah, no, there you go. I can't even make the waterfowl joke anymore because I feel like your and Marcus's relationship has completely ruined that for me. Uh, let's talk more about the Jordan Poole substance. So... You, know, you are back on the beat full time now. One of the upsides on that is you're getting to know these players. Um, and I know you just sat down with Jordan. So, you know, we, we learned that he's a hard worker. What else did you learn? What'd you walk away with? Who is this guy? Well, I think we've known for a while now uh, just to carry on the animal theme that he's a cat lover. He's adopted a couple. Um, we, we've known that for a while. I think what we're trying to figure out now is kind of who he is as a person a little bit, you know, in the media, as we've tried to get to know him over these years, um, his game's been going up and down. And so in media settings, his personality has kind of gone up and down, too. Um, and, and it's understandable, right? When, when his game is not good, um, he's not a good interview. And and then when he has a good game, he's like, why do you want to talk to me now? You didn't want to talk to me for the last couple of weeks, you know, so it, it's understandable. It seems like in his third year um, now, look. He's 22, right? So this this is what happens to people. They grow up. It seems like in his third year, he has grown up. He's he's more playful. He listens to the questions. Um, he does say things like in a group setting, if somebody asks a question, he'll say, what do you mean? And he's not like taking a shot at the interviewer. He's saying, what do you mean? I want to give you an honest response. And mm-hmm. um, I think those things are smart. And Andre Iguodala picked that up the other day, like, these guys have known each other for less than a month now, Andre Iguodala and Jordan Poole. And Iguodala's first comment was he asked the right questions. And and hmm. so I think something as simple as what do you mean? So I can, so I can give you the right response or the correct response and honest response. I think that's really important. And he, he's getting that stuff. We have talked about this last year, but it's worth underlining now and we should probably give him credit. Um, so I, personally speaking, I am much better if the people around me know that I'm talented at something. So if I'm coming in to play pickup hoop and the people I'm playing with know that I'm good, the chances of me having a good game go through the roof. Has that ever happened? No, no. But if it does, (laughs) I bet you it'll be because these people think that I'm good. Um, (laughs) Anyways, with Jordan Poole, what we are watching is the benefits of confidence. You know, he has a shitburger year, his, his rookie year. You can see it not only on the floor, but off of it. And then now he's slowly building both on the floor and off. And the credit I want to give is that G League stint. You know, yeah. the, the, the front office recognized this guy needs minutes, this guy needs success, got them both, and we're starting to see the upsides on it. Maxime, are you a winkier guy, and do you believe in Jordan Poole? When you say winkier, are you saying that I, like, wink more than average? Because no, I, I don't. 
No, it's a specific term. It means, are you the type of person who tries to wink but ends up blinking both eyes? Oh, I see. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think it looks even worse than a normal blink if I'm trying to wink because it comes out as a blink, but like my whole face kind of contorts. It's actually very popular with the ladies. I would recommend it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind saying go F yourself. I like that I go out of my way to bring you in because I was like, ah, Maxime hasn't talked for a while. And then the first thing you do is give me crap on how I mispronounced the word wink. This doesn't bode well for uh, future opportunities behind the mic, huh? No, no, no. I'm definitely, I don't even want to hear your Jordan Poole take anymore. Now, go ahead. Jordan Poole, man. I, we've, you and I have had conversations off mic. How excited are you for him this year? No, I'm very pumped. I was just uh, texting the group here saying, you know, I wonder if uh, he's got a legitimate shot at six man of the year. And um, I actually, I do think he has a chance. I sort of looked up the Vegas odds and, you know, he's somewhere in the like low teens, um, you know, for, for the betting averages and, um, you know, I think it's actually, there's a higher potential than, than even that based on these anecdotes that we're hearing about how he's matured, about how much time he's putting in the gym and about how much he's asking the right questions. Um, I'm really, really excited for what he's going to be this year. Rusty, what's his role? So we all left that last Laker game to finish last year thinking, all right, we got our six man. It's exactly who we need. We need scoring off the bench. And then we also know that Clay's going to miss the beginning of the year. And Steve Kerr has been saying some optimistic things about Jordan Poole. And then he might be starting, um, at least for while Clay's out. What do you think? What should we be expecting for this guy? What are the Warriors hoping for? Well, that's why I think Maxime has a really good point is I think he's going to start half the season. Um, if, if Clay comes back in late December, early January, he will have missed half the season. And I think Jordan Poole is going to win the starting shooting guard job. Mm. Um, now, now think about that. It, it doesn't mean that he's going to play 40 minutes with Stephen Curry. It means he's going to start the game and Steph's going to play all of the first quarter and all of the third quarter, like he always does. So Jordan Poole is going to start the game, sub out at the four minute mark and come back and start the second and fourth quarters without Stephen Curry. So he's going to have eight minutes with them where they try to play together. Then he's going to have minutes where he is the lead guard. He's the fulcrum of the offense. Um, he's going to play a very similar role, I believe, to, to what Clay Thompson has done in right. the past, where he, he plays with them and then is the guy when, when Steph Curry rests. MT, do you believe in him? I do. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this season, and I, I'm excited um, by everything I'm hearing and, and think that he's going to have a great year. Um, for Maxime's question, I – to be eligible to be a six man of the year, you have to play more, started more games on the bench than in the starting lineup. And depending on when Clay comes back, that might be a little tough for him to qualify. So I like him more for the most improved player yeah. um, award and think that it'll rest between one of those two that he will be on the short list for that. Um, but I'm excited about you know, the opportunity that's in front of him. And I think what's underrated about him, he came in um, as a score, as a score and primarily a shooter. And then his jump shot was broken his first year and everybody kind of, you know, like sold on him. And I think what's underrated is his ability now to get to the bucket. Um, he's got pretty explosive hops, you know, he will dunk on you. And um, I think he's working on his finishing. So I look forward to seeing how Steph can help him um, use that part of the game, which is underrated in Steph's game as well, and then complement that with new confidence in a jump shot. Rusty, you don't know this. Um, I've had the benefit of knowing Marcus for most of his life, so I can kind of see between the lines kind of thing. 
the front 30 seconds of that, when he was politely pulling apart Maxime's question, really what he was saying is that the way that I pronounced the word wink was better than Maxime's stupid six man of the year question. <laughs> so I'm, I, don't, I don't know if you saw that, but it's important that we at least threw it into the mic. Rusty we, saw that because we're in the same room. We're that's right. Together. I mean, you saw me trying to build a relationship with you, Marcus, and I've already <laughs> destroyed the thing with Maxime. So I'm a man without a country now, dude. I'm just sitting here. Nobody at all. I've got my dog at my feet. It looks like maybe he still has my back. Let's, boys, um, well, I was going to say let's talk predictions, but before we do, I actually have one last question. So we're a little bit removed from it now, um, but Media Day was this week. I know Rusty attended, and I wanted to get your sense on just the general feel there, Rusty, because you know Media Day is universally optimistic. I mean, even during the Cohan Dark era, with the exception of a couple of moments, um, you know, there was always optimism during those days. And this year, even though there's optimism going into the season, there's also, I don't know, this kind of Wiggins vaccine cloud. So during media day, what was the feel? Was it just a normal, hey, sky's the limit, you know, opportunities are abound? Or did you feel some undercurrent there? Oh, it, it was the cloudiest media day I've been a part of since 2009. You'll remember in 2009, Steph Curry gets drafted. We think we're going to exactly what you described, which is hunky-dory, media day, everybody's happy, optimistic. The Warriors who never go to the playoffs and tell us, hey, man, this is the year we're going to the playoffs, right? Um, none of that happens. Steven Jackson demands a trade. Monte Ellis says he can't play with Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry walks out of the locker room and goes, what is going on here? <laughs> and that's what it felt like at the war- at the Warriors at, at Chase Center on uh, media day. Uh, Bob Myers and Steve Kerr come out and say, oh, everything's fine. This is hunky-dory. We love everybody. We're not – we're going to have everybody available on day one. Um, Clay Thompson is going to be healthy. Andrew Wiggins is going to – we're going to work something out with his vaccination status. Things great. Draymond Green's not here right now, but we love him. We don't care about the podcast. Everything, every, this is all, everything's great. And then one after one, players came in and were like, no. <laughs> that's, <laughs> not <right. laughs> that, that's not right. That's not right. Hooray. Andrew Wiggins was like, I'm not getting vaccinated. They're, they're pushing me against the wall, but I'm still fighting. It, Stephen Curry was like, they didn't use their money this offseason, but I hope they do eventually. That's what they promised me. You know, it was it was just one after another where they were all like, no, that's that's not the picture here. <laughs> that's really great to hear. Did Monte Ellis take the mic and be like, look, I was right. Me and Steph couldn't play together. Uh, you know, just just in case you guys were thinking it. Um, let me ask you this, because I should have asked you this last week, and I'm really interested to hear everyone's opinion. And Marcus, I'm going to throw it towards you first, because we didn't have you last week when we were talking about the Wiggins thing. So last week, I'm sure you listened, but we were all given our opinions on whether or not this changed um, our perspective on Wiggins, his decision not to get vaccinated. And here's what I should have asked. So pretend that you're Wiggins for right now, for the purpose of this next question. We don't know what his rationale is, but you know, let's say that you are anti-vaccine, and you 100% wholeheartedly believe that you know you shouldn't take the vaccine for whatever justifications he's currently thinking. Marcus, if you're in that setting, what do you do? How do you handle this? Do you do what Wiggins is doing? You know, and they, what would you do differently than he is currently doing, if anything? That's a hard scenario because I'm not anti-vaccine. So right. in trying to put myself in those shoes, I think it... I think I handle it the way um, almost like Kyrie Irving did. I mean, I I respect Andrew for going to the facility and answering the questions, at least showing up and answering them 
um, answering in quotes. Um, but I, if, if I was that way, I probably would handle it the same way. I would just go there and say, I have my own feelings about it. It's personal. And um, it's something that I, we're going to work out internally between myself and the team. That's, that's, leave it at that. That's the only shit I can give him. You know, so like if, if he is, and, and I am, I couldn't be more pro-vaccine, and I said that a lot last week, I won't drag everybody back down that rabbit hole. But if I'm really going to give him crap, right, I, I can't put myself into his position, but I'm sure that he believes his position just as strongly as I believe mine. So if I was in that scenario, what I'd like to think is that I would at least be transparent with the team. If I have this issue that's going to impact all the people around me is going to cost me millions of dollars and my teammates millions of dollars because me not being able to play is going to impact, you know, how this season goes. I think he has an obligation to at least explain where the problem's coming from. This is why I believe this. This is where, you know, we have the disagreement. So at least they could, they could discuss it and start working on the problem. Rusty, am I off base on that? You, know, you you've covered athletes forever, far longer than I have. And at least from my outside perspective, one of the things that doesn't really happen is medical privacy with respect to conditions that affect your ability to take the floor. You know, if, if, I've, if you've got an ankle injury, a surgery, anything that prevents you from playing basketball, we find all about that. You know, you, you talk to the surgeon, we get every single detail. So if this, you know, the, the, his approach, am I wrong to give him crap about it? Or is there something here? No, and he, and he said something similar, Bram. He said in in that interview on Media Day, he said, "I'll if if one of my teammates wants to talk to me about this, I'll talk to them, hmm. but I'm okay. not explaining it to you in the yeah. to us in the media to to the readers to the fans." Um, and I think Steve Kerr a couple of days later, I think kind of made furthered Andrew's point, which was anything you say right now, no matter where you stand on this issue vaccination, not vaccinated, wherever you stand on this thing, it's really hard to have an argument right now because people listen to you only to weaponize whatever you say. Yep, and and I think I think that's where Andrew's coming from. It's really now it's really hard. We're, we're guessing where he's coming from because he, he's decided not to tell us um, in that interview. Uh, Janie McCauley from the AP, who's fantastic at this, basically said to Andrew, look, the reason we're asking this stuff is so we can help you explain it to the readers, to the fans. And he said, that's, I don't, I don't care. That's not, that's not, that's not what I'm here to do. Um, Now, if my teammates ask me, I'll tell them. And, and, and I think that's what he's doing. I don't know what's right. Um, I'm of the group that when somebody comes at me, I usually go back at them. I usually try to explain everything I feel. Um, but but he's doing it a different way, and and that's his thing. He can he can do it that way. I'm not sure there is a way to win this thing. I will back off if that's what he's doing, right? If if what I am ultimately saying is his true obligation is to at least try to solve this with the team, then the way he'll do that is by discussing it with the team, not discussing it with us. So if there's actually discussions happening behind the scenes, then that, you know it makes me feel a little bit better. And I can also say, I mean, that as a married man. 
there are times when I'm having conversations where if I'm being honest, when I'm listening to my wife, the only reason I'm listening is to try to disprove her. I'm not hearing mm-hmm. any of the stuff she's saying. And I, and I know she does that vice versa. And there, you know, it's not totally wrong for him to characterize these back and forth. So I still, I still don't support him. I, I still think it's selfish. I, I stand by all the things I said in that last podcast. But the points that you just expressed, that makes sense to me a little bit. And to your point, in, in locker room dynamics, um, I always say this. I've been here in, in the Bay Area for 20 years, covered a, a ton of Cal, Stanford, 49ers that, that have had quarterback competitions. And, of course, I want to know who the quarterback is going to be. I want to write the story. I want to inform the readers. Of course I do. But I always tell the coaches, I always tell the players after I ask them, I say, look, it, it doesn't matter that I know. It's important that the guys in the locker room know. It's important that your center knows who yep. he's snapping the ball to. It's important yep. that your team starts to build that trust and knows who the guy is. You don't have to tell me. Make sure you tell them. And and I think that is what Andrew Wiggins told us he's doing. And I think the response ha- has proved that out. His teammates now are coming into the media and at least backing him having a personal decision. Nobody said he's right, but they've all said it's his decision. And and that that to me is at least a, at least saying, all right, we got his back. We understand that he's open to talking to us about it. We're not bringing it to you, but we got his back. Well, and it aims, you know, one of the things that stuck out from what you told us last week, you used the chapel example, that it, it hasn't just been X's and O's. It hasn't just been talent that's forged a dynasty out of a shitburger franchise. You know, it's also closeness and unity in the locker room. This threatened that, but it sounds like they're figuring a way to fix it. Last follow-up. After 20 years here in the Bay and covering athletes, is it, I don't know, somewhat relieving to have finally found your soulmate in Marcus? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've been I've been searching for him for a long time. Um, I thought I was looking for waterfowl and, and other vent, ventures, but uh, I found it in Marcus and I love it. I just imagine you like using binoculars out your window, looking at owls or whatever, you know, and then you slowly like focus in and you realize you're actually looking at another person also using binoculars and it's Marcus, you know, and then your guys' relationships just immediately jumps in. This is making me very upset. Let's All it took was one wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Although, yeah, it was from Rusty and you thought he was having a seizure, you know, and you ran (laughs) over there and helped him uh, immediately. Boys. Let's go to our five golden questions segment, but let's alter it a little bit. So five golden questions, generally speaking, comes from our audience. It's our mailbag, but we're going to shift it a little bit today. One, let's just call it golden questions so that we are not limited to only five. Two, a quick reminder, these sometimes get personal. Finally, three today, they are asking mostly for predictions, which uh, brings up Maddie Stats. Rusty, you may remember this. Predictions without a winner is hella boring. Also, we are not very organized. Luckily, we have a listener who is our guy, Matty Stats, is out there listening, taking down all these predictions, and at the end of the year, he will kick back our prediction winner. So all of these matter. Here's our first. Let's bring Maxine back into the fold. But Maxine, if you burn me again, dude, I'm not going to take it well. How many regular season games will Clay Thompson play this year? Yeah, this is, uh, I, f- I feel like the big question, the question on everyone's mind, right? Because the more games he plays, the less games Jordan Poole starts, and the more likely I look like a genius for calling him sixth man of the year. Um, we, we know that at a minimum, he won't be back until Christmas. 
Um, Christmas is an away game, so there. It seems you know they've said that they won't play him until uh, until a home game, so that he can come back to a home crowd, which is a great decision. So to me, that makes the window like the most he could possibly play. Our first game after Christmas would be forty nine games. But I could also see them holding him out for a period of, you know, a couple more weeks because then we have a homestand in the middle of January, which is like 38. So that's a 10-game stretch. And that's assuming that then everything is perfect and he doesn't have some, like, knee issue that crops up in the middle of the season that keeps him out for a couple of games or whatever. So I'm ultimately, I'm just, like, splitting the difference because I can't make any decisions here and going with, like, 43. So... I am disappointed that I went to you first only because it was a super competent answer. I actually did the research that you did too and was hoping that you didn't. You know, I wanted to kind of show it off. But so exactly what you just said is is on the money. I had a lower number. You know, if he comes back on the first regular season game um, at home after the whole Christmas thing, I mean, the, the scenario that you just played out, probably the best case scenario is like, 38 37 mm-hmm. and that is so low you know i mean it's so low like i i i know we've been saying after christmas i know that none of these dates are new you know but i just had never actually looked at the schedule what that actually meant and it's got me kind of worried um rusty these guesses the trajectory that we're talking about does it sound about right i mean how many games do you think he plays you, you guys are you guys are on it. Um, you're really close, and I know I know it's not the number that you want. Um, he's also not going to play back to backs. So you're you're thinking you're, I'm in the the 31 to 33 game range. I mean it, it, it it's when you think of an 82 game schedule and what he's actually going to be able to do, it, it is disheartening. But but it's also after he's played zero games for two years. So have some heart from that. Well, that's the I mean the other thing that makes it. You added that as if it's going to make me happier, but it doesn't. <laughs> oh, no. it, it, it makes me way more sad. You know, I mean, what you're saying is even like, let's say that 33rd game, or let me change the question. Um, if he plays up to 33 games using your parameters. Also, I loved how you answered. I like how you said that, oh, you guys are close as if you're from the future. You might not be right, buddy, but let's say you are. And it is, in fact, 33. When along that 33 game trajectory, will he be playing more than 30 minutes? You know, probably not until like 25, 26. I mean, they're, they're going to slow roll it. And so there's a chance that if, if even if it goes the way we want and they go into the playoffs, Clay is still kind of feeling himself out even going into that first round. Yeah. Yeah. I th- and Bob Myers said that even before media day, he was like, you know, this team is going to have three iterations. It's going to be before Clay with the original clay coming back and, and trying to work his way into it. And then with clay at full blast. Um, so I think you're exactly right. I think you're, I think you're hitting on it. We're going to see three different teams this year. And and if they're in that play in playoff round, um, that's about the time where, where clay is going to be at full steam and everybody's going to know how to play with him. A lot of these guys haven't played with him yet. MT, use your rusty translator. So when this fool said, look, it's only going to be 31 to 33 games, but don't worry, don't worry. He just missed two full seasons with catastrophic leg injuries. Was he trying to make me feel bad? I mean, was this fool trolling me, dude? Like, what, what was going on there? <laughs> I, I, like you pointed out, I love the comment of you guys are close. But hella yes. <laughs> pompous. Super pompous over there. Here's the exact answer from the future. Um, <laughs> he definitely fired off a double blink when he said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm I'm with him. I think it's it's lower than what we all want to say. Um it just 
because it's the nature of the injury and how he needs to come back. And, you know, the, the one thing I will say about it is it's Clay Thompson. And, you know, prior to these two injuries, you know, he would go down and get tangled up, get his leg tangled up and in any other human, it would snap your leg in two. And Clay just kind of brushes it off and keeps playing and everybody, you know, we were like super Clay. So um, if there's any progress that is un forecasted right now and they say okay you know what it's probably okay for him to come back before christmas and clay's pushing for it i can see them considering it but because of the way kd came back um early and the doctor said okay and they still were like i don't know and then it just caused another injury um i could see it being 30 at most well i tell you what man if this wiggins thing goes the wrong way and this season doesn't start the way we'd want it to you know, we, we get to close to Christmas and the Warriors aren't in the top half or aren't as far up in the race that we'd like them to be. There's a chance they slow roll this even more, you know, and we'll re-explore it. We'll see where it goes. Um, and I don't want to look at that pessimism. So instead, I'll give you another question. It's an optimistic one. And let's make it a quick hitter. Let's get fast answer here, boys. And then uh, I'll give you a new question. The question's this. What will Steph's highest point total be this year during the regular season? I'll go first just to get us started. No analysis necessary. I'm saying 57. Rusty, what's your number? Oh, you're so close. <laughs> I should just start saying Rusty from the future. Yeah, just give us your number. Dude. Just, what's your number? He's going to score 63 at New York on December 14th. Too specific. Didn't you get one of these ones? I feel like I, you did. Like, didn't I we? It was like when Clay was coming back or something. No, it was, like we, it, was when, it was when Coach Kerr was coming back from his surgery, it. and I was done with the debate. I just nailed the – I was like, this is the day he's coming back. It's it was – we should pull this down. So Marcus Maximus, before you guys joined us, and just to give you a sense of how annoying it was. So we'd, we'd been talking uh, – Steve Kerr wasn't there for a while. We are asking – Scott and I are, are going back and forth about when's he coming back, and then I ultimately give the question to Rusty. And he uses a vocal inflection that screams like, ugh. Like, this is a stupid question, dude. Nobody would know. I'll just pick a date out of my ass. And he, and he throws out this date. <laughs> then we fast forward. He comes back on that date. And if memory serves, Rusty shot me a text like, a, see that? See how smart <laughs> I was? And it was like, dude, you didn't even take it serious. Like, that's totally ridiculous. Anyways, all right. 63, New York. Marcus, let's keep it moving. What's your number? I think he scores 60. 61. Actually, no, I'm going to go 61. Matty Stats, 61. 62. <laughs> I thought it feels like uh, this is the price is right. Yeah, exactly. uh, my number feels a little bit lower. All right, new question, and I'm going right to you first, Reggie, because I'm excited for it. What player on this current roster are the rookies most likely to go to for life advice? Andre Iguodala. Um, yeah, they, they go they go to him for life advice, for investing advice, for basketball advice. Uh, he's, he's the answer to everything. That's literally, so it's again, just like the Maxine thing. I wish I had gone first because it would have justified it. So I, I had the same answer, but I'm going to start with the people I didn't pick. So like Steph, I bet you a lot of people would think. But too big of a deal. 
You know, if you're a rookie and you kind of want to keep in his upside and like you want to seem infallible, you're not going to want to go to him and show any downsides. You know, you're just going to constantly, I don't know, seem like you know what you're talking about. Not Clay. They don't know him. I mean, he wasn't there last year um, and he seems a little aloof. You know, like I'd love to hang out with Clay, but I don't know if I need any investing advice. And they're probably not Draymond, too. They're probably a little bit afraid of him. Um, and so it ultimately was Andre. That's who I would have picked. Marcus, would you have guessed the same way now that we already have the answer on the table? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it has to be Andre, right? I mean, I think the other people in consideration, besides the ones you name, like Draymond, maybe, but he's, I don't know if that, like advice is kind of what he would go to for that. Um, and then I would go coaching staff. I think maybe Mike Brown mm -hmm. is somebody. Can't you see Andre giving you an answer that doesn't make any sense? Like on purpose, like he's kind of testing you to see like if you'd add, if you'd ask some kind of a follow up. And if you don't like too bad for you. He absolutely he absolutely does it all the time. See? Yeah, <laughs> he, he wants to see if you're smart enough to get the response. Yeah, 100 percent. Like if you went like, what should I invest in? And he's like blue bananas you know? <laughs> right. like just just to see what you're gonna say and i would i would just i would be the kind of rookie but oh that's so smart you know just like pretend like i understood it and mm -hmm. didn't at all and right then andre would lose all respect for me uh maxine how many wins and we'll all take a crack at this one will the warriors have during the regular season 49 i'm gonna say 52 the whole, the, what we just talked about with the clay thing, 52 actually seems a little optimistic and I'm a little worried about it, but that's my number. Rusty. Whoa. You guys love this team. That's not going to have its starting shooting guard or small forward. Just give us your number. You don't have to tell me why I'm wrong. I hope I'm right. Go ahead. What's your number? I'll go 48. And why? Give me some rationale. Because what you just said. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're not, they're not going to have their starting shooting guard, small forward for half the year. Um, James Wiseman's coming back. At some, and they're trying, like Draymond Green said on the day he reported to camp, uh, they're trying to do something that nobody's ever done. They're trying to mix together a bunch of championship veterans with a bunch of teenagers. Nobody's ever had success doing this. It's going to be a really tough season. Marcus, who do you agree oh, sorry, with? Sorry, hold on real quick. Didn't I, That's all logical and makes a ton of sense, but didn't we just take a ton of shit and he said one game lower than me? <laughs> that's right that's a good point <laughs> one game means a lot it's a that big a game it's a big yeah. game how do you like being on the other side of Maxime's keen eye there Rusty you're back in my good graces Maxime nicely played buddy um, I'm I gonna did, go I did screw up that word wink earlier you were right Maxime I can admit that now <laughs> you're a big man um, I'm gonna go even one lower I'm gonna price is right you and go 47 you don't want I want to, to change mine to 46 us. now. <laughs> you, what, you, what you want to do is do it like Rusty. Like, oh, you guys are so stupid and wrong. Oh, my God. Are you even paying attention? I'm going one less. Is that your real number? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, 47. Uh, keep the mic. You had to guess. What player spends the most time in the film room? In the film room? Uh-huh. Um, and why? Jordan Poole. Based off of the phenomenal reporting that we just got from Rusty. Uh, oh, my God. It's incredible you were able to get that answer out while sucking Rusty's ass. <laughs> Nicely played. Um, I'm going to go Mulder. 
I think Mulder's acutely aware of where he stands on this team um, and what he would need to do in order to be a part of this roster. And like, I, I, he seems like the kind of dude who would, if he has to spend 25 hours per day in the film room to continue to be in the NBA, he would. So Mulder's my real pick. My sideline pick is Steph. Weird one. Weird one, right? It doesn't seem like he would need to do it. But he strikes me like, and I don't know why this is the example that's coming up. He strikes me like a Jason Kidd. I remember the first time I saw Jay Kidd, I was shocked at his effort. It wasn't just his skill. He tried harder than anybody else out there. And it wouldn't shock me if in addition to being the greatest shooter and in addition to outworking people on the floor, Steph also secretly was constantly in the film room understanding where he needed to be for his spots and all the off-ball movement. So I'm going Steph. Maxime, go next. We'll, we'll crescendo with uh, Mr. Simmons here. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kevon Looney. I just I feel like he's, you know, we're talking specifically about film room, right? We understand that Jordan Poole has been spending a lot of time in the gym, but he's like working on his body. I feel like Kevon is like a really smart dude and he's working on his brain. Rusty, what's the answer? I actually don't know the answer to this, and I don't know how we would test it. Um, the The candidates, I believe, would be James Wiseman. One, because this has been his entire 20-year life. He, he has hmm. eaten film. He, he likes to watch players from the past he likes to watch his current games he likes to watch opponents that he's about to face plus the development staff shoves more and more and more at him um so in in sheer number and minutes and hours it might be james wiseman uh, the other the other candidate to me is draymond green who just cannot stop watching basketball um he, he was talking the other day about watching film from his first Olympic experience and and missing a closeout <laughs> that he wanted to do. I mean, it's it's just remarkable how much that guy watches hoop. Maxime, edit Rusty's voice and include Mulder and <laughs> right. Steph. Steph in his list because it's weird. You forgot those two, Rusty, but it's, it's all good. We've got an excellent sound guy. He will get it right in. Boys, I'm taking a lot more time than I thought we would, so I'm going to start going fast here. But before we do, here's the question that's both personal and caught my eye before I even wrote it down. So what's a hobby that you guys have that would genuinely surprise other people if you admitted it to them? And let's turn this into judgment theater. Don't tell me straight. Let's all guess, right? So we can start with me so that we're all comfortable uh, revealing things maybe we didn't want to. Any of you boys have a guess at a hobby I have that I normally wouldn't want to admit? Um, and if I did, would surprise people. I'm guessing that Bram in his downtime finds balsa wood and tries to whittle it into little toy trains. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> I, I don't have a follow up for the balsa wood train wood. Yeah, I actually just dropped my balsa wood shaver right now. Is that what the tool is called? A shaver? It is. Oh, no, it's called a balsa wood shaver. <laughs> right. Apparently, are not listening. To uh, I'm gonna go pickleball. I remember you oddly for the listeners out there and people who don't know. When Bram learns of something new, he just goes all in. Like he saw somebody play pickleball um, on a tennis court and immediately has a pro pickleball set and is like, do you want to play this game? I'm going to dominate you. And he like watches videos about it. So I think you're still on the pickleball train and you're trying to secretly train so that you can beat me, which will never happen. Yeah. Know that the word still was involved in there for a reason. <laughs> and we'll, we'll cover that in a couple of seconds. Maxine, what's your guess? Yeah. So I know that um, you have a daughter who is uh, a 
like pretty expert for her age group um, dancer, you know? And I think that you were actually pretty keen on joining the ballet train, but then you had some knee situations, right? And there's a little bit too high impact. And so you've now converted and you're secretly tap dancing like multiple times a week. Okay, so let's go through your guys' guesses and then the reveal. Let's start with just Rusty. Nope, dude, no. Balsa with shaving on my end. Strangely enough, let's go to Marcus. Filthy cheater. I mean, he knows. Like, So no, my answer isn't pickleball. He knows I have played pickleball. And if I really had to guess the reason why he brought up the pickleball thing. So he's right, gentlemen. I will start a new hobby and then I just like gear. So if I start a new hobby, I'll immediately go out and buy some gear. We, we joined a, a swim club and had a pickleball thing. I bought some pickleball crap. A thousand percent forgot that stupid Marcus grew up playing tennis amongst other sports. Challenged him to some pickleball, and he beat the hell out of me. Uh, and I am pretty sure that's why, the, you know, that's why he did the whole pickleball guess. So it is what it is. And then finally, Maxime, I do have dance competitions with my daughter all the time in like public settings. We were in Golden Gate uh, Park the other day, and she literally said dance contest, and off we went. I lost terribly, and it wasn't tap, but it does happen. None of those are the hobbies, though. I do. I have a bunch of weirder ass hobbies. The one I'll share with you now, I've read hell of books that are made for young teens. I've read the hell out of the Hunger Games. I've read the hell out of Harry Potter. Like if it's a book that is fairly easy to get through, I will read it. So yeah, I'm a weirdo. It is what it is. Let's turn our judgeful eye over to Marcus. Let's go his way. Um, I will start to give you boys the time to think. I bet you MT has a bunch of weird hobbies, but he doesn't want to come off as weird. So if we asked him like, oh, what are some weird hobbies he'd have? He would tell us something, but it wouldn't be its full truth. It'd be like slightly true, but he'd cut out the weird. Yeah. So like if he makes like polka music behind the scenes, when we asked him about it, he'd tell us he makes music, but doesn't actually give the, the full example. So that's what I'll say is this fool makes weirdo music like, like EDM electronica, like who knows, but he won't actually tell us that he'll just Tell us the the details that make him sound important. Uh, Maxime, what's your guess for MT? Well, I mean, we already, maybe I'm the filthy cheater now because we already know that whatever hobbies Marcus was doing, he's now set them all aside and has been devoting his life towards um, waterfowl research. Yeah, this better not be rusty. And I think it is fastidious, you know, note taking. He's got like the little moleskin notebooks, you know, and there's like five of them stacked up on his desk that are like war torn because he's just been writing notes furiously for hours on end. Sketches, hell of sketches in there of the birds they've seen. Poems he's written to Rusty. <laughs> Rusty, you know him the best. What's a hobby he's got? Yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely cheating if I try to predict um, one of the many things that MT has as a hobby and is very talented at is uh, he's a home brewer. <laughs> What's he making though? It's something weird. It's like yeah. apple cider or something. You know, it's, it's like it's it's blueberry lavender cider. Yeah, there he is. It's not even size. Like, would you like to try some of my rose cider? And it's terrible. Uh, Marcus, take it out of suspense. What do you got uh, brewing at the house? Uh, yeah. So it turns out none of you are right. Um, I do not secretly <laughs> moonlight as an EDM produ- producer, <laughs> weirdly enough. Um, I'm not that into scri- scribing about foul, foul with my tweed jacket. Um, you hear that, Rusty? F you. Relationship is over. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> um, apple cider is delicious. I will give that to my main man, Rusty, but I don't brew it. My um, embarrassing hobby would be um, reality TV shows. And um, that doesn't seem like it. It may feel like Bram was right. Like I would just go oh, a little right. soft with it. But 100% right. the depth <laughs> of it is where it gets embarrassing. So I would probably stack my knowledge of um certain reality tv shows up against a lot of people so you're gonna um, share it are you gonna tell us you, i mean, I mean you're you gonna know, go embarrassing. i, I, Give us I may i may have a bookmark for reality steve and know everything that happens for the <laughs> bachelor go. and bachelorette yeah. beforehand yeah you um, love brewing at home with mt exactly exactly <laughs> um I, I may know what happens for the the challenge and you know who wins first place and who gets kicked out and disqualified before it happens and follow along with that and follow them on social media and see what they do so you know it's it's a little embarrassing it gets a little deep and um my wife camilla always looks walks by and just like what are you watching and she just shakes her head so i mean I, i'm definitely not gonna throw any stones if they did a television <laughs> show about the conversation we're having right now i would watch it like all five episodes like i would be all about it if, if something's on television generally speaking i will watch it let's talk maxime boys so i'll go first again you know I bet you Maxime has a weird hobby that's close to being normal, but isn't quite, but he still thinks it's normal. So I'm going to say that he's a sneakerhead. He collects sneakers, but it's something weird. Like he only connects like open-toed sandals or something. You were so close. It is a collection. That is the weird hobby that he has. And it's of toy piggy banks. <laughs> Your vocal inflection, I'm always right. I, like, I, I am so entertained by, but something tells me that we fast forward five, six episodes and you and Marcus are still best friends and you're still always right. I am going to really not take it well. Let's see. Let's see what ultimately happens. MT, what's your guess? I think um, Maxime is studying to be a yoga instructor, and but for all new moves that he's invented. <laughs> Does he have to study that? Wouldn't he just be making that shit up? What's like? Was he like he's studying a book he previously no, I, wrote? I have you stacks have to, of moleskins where I'm writing down all these ideas. Yeah. And you have out. to know. You have to know the rules to break a brand. Come on, <laughs> Max. Maxime is a yogi and he names all of his new moves after a waterfowl. I love it. <laughs> I think what he actually does is spend his time making moleskin journals since it's like <laughs> the fifth time we've heard that That's statement like in 30 seconds. What do you do, Maxime? I mean, we already know it's open-toed sandals, but what is it? I uh I do um have a weird affinity and love for um old school German trainers. So there is a little bit. I got like four pairs of those. Um but that's not I mean that's not enough. I've 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 grown out of that one. Um that's a that's a lifestyle not a hobby. That's exactly precisely. Yeah, and I, I draw sketches of them in my moleskins. It's great. Your moleskin there. Uh, there you go. No, but actually I I think you're right on that like I have hobbies that are like almost normal but they're pretty adjacent to normal in that like you know I, I rock climb and whatnot, but I also really love tree climbing. Um, and, but that's like, what? you know, I, I have a tree climbers official card. I'm a member in good standing. And so that's like rope. What are you talking about? Wait, what do you mean? You have a card, this tree climber? Oh yeah. I, I'm a member of tree climbers international. 
What is happening? What are you talking about, dude? So, like, is there... Okay, I need to know way more about Tree Climbers International. Have you have you left the country to climb trees? Like, specifically with the intent of, I am going to this country to climb a tree? That's a great question. No, I have not. It's all been domestic so far. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Are you listening, Tree Climbers International? This photo does not belong in your group at all. Do you, like, when you go or tree climbing, is it... The focus of the day, like you wake up on Saturday and it's like, today I'm climbing a tree, or does it just randomly happen? Like you and I could be walking down the street, talking about something, and then suddenly you are screwing up a trunk. Nah, that's not a hobby, Bram. That's just an affliction. I actually, I, you have to, you have to bring gear, you know, like I'm, I have a throw bag. I have a throw line so that I can get my rope over. I have a cambium saver so that as the rope is going over the branch, it doesn't cut into the cambium, the heart of the tree. Um, I'll get up there. I'll set up a hammock you know up in the canopy and and maybe read a book for a little while it's a yeah it's definitely at least a half day affair were you one of those people who prevented the new stadium at Cal? Like, were you living in those trees, preventing them from knocking it down? Interestingly enough, I wasn't, but this might be a seed of it because my I was in middle school when that happened, so, you know. Uh, <laughs> but my tutor at the time was one of those people and actually spent a little bit of time in jail, so. Yeah, there you go. Hey, but was there an age limit on those people? Yeah, I think in middle school you still could have climbed those trees. And bad news, Rusty and Marcus, your guys' friendship and Rusty's uh, time traveling is no longer the focus of this episode. This is officially the Maxime Climbs Trees episode. I did not see that coming at all, at all. Uh, all right, back. Whoa, no, no, whoa, whoa. Almost skipped over Rusty. That would have been ridiculous. Let's drop some judgment in his lap, boys. I'll go for it. So Rusty, I think, is the opposite of Maxime. I bet you this fool has both normal hobbies and really, really weird ones, but he will only tell you about the really, really weird ones so that he sticks out a little bit. So, like, I bet you he has a worm farm, but it's, like, above-ground worms, like something like that, or spotting cats at local zoos. Just a, a weirdo deal that he has no problem telling you about. Um, I think those are good guesses. I'm going to say that Rusty's hobby is creating miniatures of Olympic athletes. <laughs> I I think that Rusty has uh, an elaborate, like small greenhouse where he tends to like very rare and finicky flowers. <laughs> this segment is bringing me so much joy. Rusty, what's the answer? I can't believe how spot on you guys are. My <laughs> so whole, close. My, my whole life. <laughs> My whole life, I wanted an ant farm, and my parents would never let me have one. That's very close to a, that's very close to a worm farm. Um, I, I do wish that I could make miniatures. And my newest hobby is that I'm into these air plants because when you're on the road all the time, they don't take a lot of care. But I'm a very good father. I have five air plants. I give them baths on Monday nights. They're all named. I talk to them. I play the harmonica to them. Um, I think that's very close to having my own greenhouse. This needs, this needs an entire podcast dedicated to it. The, what, what I want <laughs> is occasional footage. What I imagine happens is like every, I don't know, four or five months, Rusty calls up his parents. And even though he's living in his own house, he's like, oh, dude, is it cool if I have an ant farm? They're like, no, stop asking us. And then he waits another five months and he calls them again and still catches a big no. And then after like four or five rejections, he turns to his plants, which he apparently feels are his children and tells them all about his difficult day. Boys, back to the Warriors. I think we just spent 45 minutes on all of our random habits. So I'll try to get us through this quickly. Which of these players will average the most minutes next year? Damian Lee, 
Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, or Wiseman? Damian Lee. Um, yep. Steve Kerr, like most every NBA coach, hates rookies. Um, so you name two rookies and James Wiseman, who is essentially one. Uh, Damian Lee is going to play more minutes. Yeah, I agree with you. I bet you we all do. And I ask that just to underline this obvious. I mean, we are all super excited about these young guys. I'm one of them. And I can't wait to see who they will be. But I'm not sure they're going to have the major role perhaps some of us are thinking they might. Next question, wait, sorry, just to real keep quick, us moving. Can I... Because I, I'm, I'm curious, I, I think it's also Damian Lee, and I'm wondering if there's a chance that he starts actually over Poole so that Poole can continue to sort of anchor the second lineup. Probably to begin the year, no? I mean, like the, at least those first few games, it's going to be Damian over Poole? I could see it for sure. Um, Kerr, Kerr is saying right now um, in training camp, it's a legitimate competition between Lee and Poole, and he even includes Michael Mulder, who's not even on wow. a guaranteed contract. So um, I think those three are going to fight it out. Uh, I think Kerr's gut is to go with Poole. I think he's intrigued enough by it. He, he actually thinks Poole can make a similar leap on defense that he made on offense last year. And if that's true, he's the obvious choice. Marcus, will Draymond average more points? rebounds or assists next year. And to give you a little guidance, here's his averages from last year. 7 points, 7.1 rebounds, 8.9 assists. Assists. Rusty, do you agree? Yeah, I think that's right just cuz MT said it. <laughs> uh, this makes me want to climb a tree immediately. Um I'll take this one first. How many games will Wiggins play this year? So, I think he's going to stick to his guns. Um, I don't think he's going to be taking a shot anytime soon. The, the What we heard out of Media Day, what we heard from Rusty's description of Media Day, what we've heard from Draymond following the initial comments during Media Day all suggest that we're, we're speeding towards an impasse here. Um, and so I think he misses 45 Oof. games, um, leaving, what, 37. So that's my number. Uh, I'm going to turn it back to you, Rusty, because the last time we talked about this, uh, you told me you thought he was going to miss games. It's been a week now. You've spoken to a lot of the players. You've spoken to the front office. You've got a sense of the team. What's your current guess? How many games will he play? It's it's probably the most difficult question among these. I, um, this guy always plays. He plays every game. That's that's one of the reasons why um, he got a max contract. He, he just You can just plug him in. He's going to play every game. I don't see how this happens. I don't think there's... There's part of me that wants to predict he plays 82 games for somebody else, um, but I don't think there is any trade value out there. Um, I I don't know. I I I think you're really close. I think you're right on it. I, I bet he plays 41 games. I just don't know. Like if that's the case, I think that all of our games one predictions are way too way high. way too high. It's the the this is without us saying it a very pessimistic podcast. Um, the, that, that first thing, that realization, when you do the math behind Clay's reality, if really he's not coming back to the first home game after Christmas and Wiggins is going to miss a lot of those games and the West is as tight as everybody thinks it is, the picture we're painting isn't as rosy as I think we all want it to be. Um, I don't which think, is the, a good I don't s- think the West is very good. Why? What do you For mean? One, I, like, I think the Lakers are good and old. I don't know yeah. how much they're going to even play their guys. Um, it seems like everybody else is kind of hurt. I, I don't know that there are great teams in the West. And I think the Warriors are a good defensive team regardless of who they have on the court. I, I think that 
Mm-hmm. They've, they've, that's part of their identity now. And I think they're committed to playing small. Um, I think they can win games. As crazy as it sounds to say, hey, they're not going to have their shooting guard and small forward for half the season, I think they can win some games with Stephen Curry being the player he is and everybody else playing defense. How far do they go? So, I mean, just just give me the next step on that analysis. At the end of this year, I mean, including the playoffs, at the end of the year, how far do the Warriors go? They're, Second round, first round, play-in game, Western Conference, you know, finals, what what do you envision? They they finish 6, 7, 8 in the West and scare somebody in the first round and lose. Marcus, what's your guess? Same question. Where do they finish in the West in the regular season? Where do they finish in the playoffs? Ooh, I think they <clears throat> think they finish um, in the play-in games, but they win them this time, and then they play Utah and lose in the first round. If we had had this conversation before the Wiggins vaccine cloud had happened, I would have said fourth to mm-hmm. finish and Western Conference Finals. Now we've had the discussion we've had now. I think Rusty's right. I think they're the bottom half. Maybe I'll be optimistic. Let's say seventh. Um, and then I think we have one hell of an entertaining series. Yep. I mean, if they're seven, they're probably playing like Utah or somebody like that. And we scare them and nobody wants to play us. But at the end of the day, um, they lose in the first. What's your guess, Maxime? Can, can I, I just... I'm so sad now. I don't even want to give a guess. <laughs> no. Well, go the other way. Go the other way. Be optimistic. No, like, bust how out can that moleskin journal. I, like, I feel and... so betrayed by Andrew Wiggins. That like, wh- what's the fucking point? I don't like. I really don't think that he's going to get the vaccine. I've never seen the dude be more sure about anything in his life on the quarter off. You know, dude seems like lackadaisical playing games, and all of a sudden, this is the stance that he decides to no. die on. He's never given a shit about anything. <sighs> like, he really hasn't given a shit about anything. And then the one thing he gives a shit about is, oh, yeah, yeah, your guy's health? I don't give a fuck about it. Dri- Too it, bad for yeah, you. It drives me crazy. So, I mean, you know, like, I think what you're saying is the best-case scenario. I wouldn't be surprised to see us, like, fighting for those playing spots. And then it's like, why did we do this again, you know, <laughs> like, and, and end up with the 14th pick or something? Like, ugh. I have a ton of other questions, but I'm going to keep them in pocket because we have some time here. We have some preseason. We have some games. We have some, uh, some runway to drop some more predictions. So I'll just leave it with this last question. Rusty, who wins the title? The Los Angeles Lakers? Am I, oh. am, I allowed, am I allowed to say that in the very? No, I mean, you're, the next time Maxime climbs a tree, he's going to jump from it, dude. You just heard <laughs> probably, how, like, how ugly. That's an ugly answer. I, I probably um, I probably deserve that, especially after Maxime, it sounded like, was, was already on the urge of uh, jumping. I can't imagine what he's writing in his Moleskill notebook <laughs> right now. I go Brooklyn. Boys, what's your guess? I'm going to say Bucks. And uh, and I think I mean I think it's it's between Brooklyn and Milwaukee, um, for me. But I just there's a lot of you know there's a lot of chaos happening right now. Kyrie is being a real piece of shit, and I think that as much as Kevin Durant wants to pretend that everything's hunky dory, that's going to cause some issues in that locker room. MT closes out. Yeah, I th- unfortunately, I think it's Brooklyn. Um, I think they play a surprising uh, Utah team that finally gets over the hump, but. Um, just too much firepower in, on that Brooklyn team. They have like sleepers like Paul Millsap and a couple other signees that I think are just going to be too much. 
Rusty, this is the first time I've ever met somebody from the future. So I just want to tell you, I really appreciate you taking the time to time travel to our podcast and drop predictions left and right. It just it just means the world to me, man. And and you notice on the NBA championship prediction, um, I felt bad about always telling you what exactly was going to happen. And after hearing your answers, I actually like all of your answers better, but I'm sticking with the Lakers just because obviously it's right. Yeah, well, because you saw it, you know, like, right. is that why? Yeah, right. no, that's... I'm like, uh, I'm like Biff, I already have the sports almanac. <laughs> Do you know how much it bothers me that you came up with that Back to the Future reference before I did? It, it was just hanging right there, low fruit, and I missed it for the better part of, how long has this podcast been? Like three, four hours? Uh, so yeah, that's that's on me. Huge fun, you guys. Rusty, I know I'm not the only one who enjoyed this. I know that there are people wondering where the hell they can get more Simmons in their life. Let them know. Hopefully everybody at this point uh, has a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. You get the, the old school print edition delivered to your doorstep. They also have it online these days, which is fascinating. Um, there's like Twitter handles and all kinds of stuff out. And, and of course, you can listen to this podcast, which would entertain anybody. Exactly right. We are hoping to have a ton of Rusty going forward. Uh, and for us, I'll keep it simple. We are on a single uh, source of social media, Twitter, at Warriors Huddle. Um, and perhaps most importantly, we are moving over towards a video format, but only for our Patreon subscribers. So if you want to see any of our not-so-smiling faces, hop up on Patreon and uh, you can support us, which means the world to us, for less than a dollar a month. And there'll be some kickback for you. Uh, you'll get some extra content and you'll get our videos. With that in mind, go Warriors! Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.